Last week we began a series, as I've already said, about servant leadership, and we saw how Jesus Christ epitomized, explained, and expressed servant leadership through his life and his mission and his sacrificial death. And we were also reminded last week how the way for us to grow and blossom in servant leadership is actually as we rest in and lean on and gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Servant leadership is a beautiful outworking of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in people's lives. It's part of the path of true greatness. It's at the heart of Jesus' life and ministry. It's a key to healthy life in anybody, in any church. And this morning, I want us to think specifically about servant leadership as it relates to the pastor. And this is something that's really important for us, not just because we'll soon begin the pastor search process, which is an important reason in itself, but there are also a few other reasons that I think us thinking about servant leader, pastor teachers is important. One, in general, there are a lot of examples of pastors and leaders who haven't led well. There are examples in our culture throughout history where pastors have used congregations instead of caring for them or have used parishioners to make money or who really don't care about the people to which uh, they're called. And that's, that's an a underlying theme in, in our culture and even in the church. And so that's one of the reasons why looking at a servant leader, pastor, teacher is important. Secondly... And more specifically, we have experienced a terrible loss in our church. And we um, have had, if you want to use relationship terms, we've had a breakup, maybe even a divorce with the pastor who uh, helped found this church and who ministered here for the past 15 years. So we have baggage, we have trauma. The scars and the wounds are still fresh. Some of you are deeply cynical about pastors. I get that. Some of you find yourselves gun-shy about listening to someone who is a pastor. And as we think about that reality, as we think about the task that's before us and the trauma and the pain that we've faced, it's important for us this morning to remember that Jesus Christ is our ultimate servant leader. And he's with us. And he loves us. And he cares for us. And he will guide and direct us. And he loves his church. And from Ephesians 4 this morning, I want us to see two things in particular. God's gracious gift of servant leader, pastor, teachers. And God's gracious goal for servant leader, pastor, teachers. So let's look at the passage together. Uh, from Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 11. He, that is Christ, gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. At the heart of this first section is this reality. God has graciously given His church the gift of servant leader, pastor, teachers. The first word is Grace. God has graciously done this. Ephesians is a book about the church. It's a book telling us how precious and special the church is to Jesus Christ. 
And it's in the context of Ephesians 4 that the Apostle Paul tells us that we should live for Christ. Because of the gospel, which he explains in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, he says in chapter 4, verse 1, he tells us that we should walk in a way, live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're called to reflect and show the honor that's due Jesus Christ through our lives. And the passage goes on to explain some of those things. We do that through humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love. We express that as we, as we see and experience the unity that we have in Jesus Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And then in chapter 4, verse 7, we see the thing that fuels the Christian life. The thing that gives us the power to live in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is grace. Verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. If you haven't been around Christianity for very long, if you're uh, new to the concepts of Christianity, let me tell you this. Grace is central to what Christianity is all about. God's grace It's at the heart of the Christian's life. We stand, we rest, we continue in the grace of God, which is God's mercy to us found in Jesus Christ. And here in chapter 4 of Ephesians, we see specifically that Jesus has given grace to the church. And, And he gives that grace because he gained the victory. If you know about Jesus' life, you know that he was born into this world. He lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death on the cross. He rose again in glory. And he he won the victory. He defeated death. And what does he do? He shares that victory with us. And he gives that grace to people like you and me. It's like the, the champion on the field or on the court. They win They win the championship, and the first thing they do is they take the trophy, and they walk over to their family, and they give it to their mom or their dad or their spouse or their child to hold. Even though he won it on on the court with his teammates, he shares it with those that are special to him. And that's exactly what the grace of God is. Jesus wins the victory, and he shares it with us, and he gives us gifts. God graciously gives gifts gifts of servant leader, pastor, teachers to the church. It's through grace, but it is a gift. One of the ways that Jesus gives gifts is through uh, these servant leader, pastor, teachers. Look at verse 11 of chapter 4. It says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors and teachers. The list begins with apostles, prophets, and evangelists. And most scholars believe that these are offices that were unique to the first century church. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson says it like this These callings belong to the inaugural life of the church. And we see it in Ephesians 2, verse 20. Paul says that the church and their faith has been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. But there is one thing that seems to be very clear from Ephesians 4.11. It's that these shepherd teachers or pastor teachers are folks that still operate in the life of the church. Jesus has graciously given us shepherds 
and teachers or pastor teachers. What I'm trying to say is, I am God's gift to this church. <laughs> that's, that's the joke. Um, yeah. We'll talk about how awkward this is in a moment. Um, there are two Greek words here in Ephesians uh, 4 verse 11 that are, that are crammed together. They're supposed to fit together. And it's pastor-teacher. It's shepherd-teacher. The first is pastor or shepherd. This is someone who loves and cares for the flock. It implies relationship, trust, confidence, familiarity, proximity. It's patterned after Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. What does a good shepherd do? A good shepherd feeds the flock, tends the flock, protects, guides, goes after, rescues, cares for the sheep. In short, a good shepherd loves the sheep. This is one of the unique privileges that pastors have. So we have the privilege to love and care for the flock of God. And it's one of the things that all Christians get to share in as well. In, in general, this principle is true. I love this verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Paul tells the Christians in Thessalonica, we were happy to share with you not only our, the gospel of God, but our own lives as well. One of the things that gets at the heart of what a servant, leader, pastor, teacher is, is someone who loves and cares for the people of God. Who enters in with them, who shares life with them. The other aspect that's mentioned here is teacher. There is content to the pastoral relationship. There's a divine reference point. It's the Word of God. A pastor is called to teach and instruct and explain and to preach and to unpack the Word of God, particularly the message of grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the heart of the Christian message, the gospel, the good news. That takes work. It's hard work, but it's absolutely worth it. This book is at the heart of mine and Woody's and every other pastor who's true to his calling. It's at the heart of who we are and what we do. It's not flashy. It's not trendy. But it is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Core value of a servant leader, pastor, teacher, a core value of this church is that we always be rooted in the Word of God. God gives gifts to the church through others. All of this is for the blessing and health of the church. And God graciously gives gifts to us, and we've sensed that before where it's just come directly to us from God. We've sensed His grace. But many times, God's mercy and grace is delivered to us through our brothers and sisters, isn't it? Through another person. And we're called the ambassadors of Christ. We're stewards of grace. We're messengers of grace. We're God's representatives in this world. Maybe God's grace was shown to you when some people showed up at your house after there was several feet of water in it and they 
We're there to help. Maybe God's grace and kindness, the gift of His grace and kindness has been shown to you when someone showed you mercy when you didn't deserve mercy. Or when someone said the words at the right time that meant so much. There are a multitude of gracious gifts from God. There are a multitude of ways that God delivers and expresses those gifts. And one of them, the one mentioned in Ephesians 4 verse 11, is that God has graciously gifted His church with servant leader, pastor teachers. Awkward. It's a little awkward, you know, to be preaching about servant leader, pastor teachers when you're a pastor. And uh, if any pastor said that it wasn't awkward, then he probably doesn't have a good sense of himself or he's just lying. Um, Because here's the reality. As a pastor, you come face to face, day in and day out, with your own failures, with your own faults, how you haven't pastored and shepherded the people of God like you wish you could have or should have. You haven't preached and taught the Bible with the clarity and the passion that you had hoped. And the list could go on and on. And believe me, some days it does. But then I remember, it's not about me. It's about Him. I need Jesus and His grace just like you do. And as we begin the senior pastor search process, as we've, we've got to remember that servant, leader, pastor, teachers are not perfect. They don't have some special inside access to God. Their prayers don't count more than your prayers do. They're not super Christians. They're people who are men, who are broken, They've got their own baggage. They still struggle with sin. Many times they have the same doubts and questions that you have in your life. A lot of times, they're not sure what to do. And they need Jesus. I need Jesus. We need to rely on the blessed promise of the gospel day in and day out. Servant leader, pastor, teachers are called by God and given to the church as gracious gifts, not because of their amazing talents or their incredible abilities, but mostly because they show and tell others that we all need Jesus Christ. As we think about calling a senior pastor, we need to look for a man who is willing to say with his mouth and show with his life and remind us week in and week out, we need Jesus. We need Jesus and His grace. That's the first thing that I want us to see. God's gracious gift of servant, leader, pastor, teachers. The second thing that I think is incredible and beautiful from this passage is that God shows us His gracious goal for servant, leader, pastor, teachers. Not only does the passage establish that God has given pastor, teachers to the church, but He talks about the goal, the task, the directive of servant, leader, pastor, teachers. The first is to 
Equip the saints for the works of ministry. Look at ver- it says it in verse 11 and verse 12. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the works of ministry. Let's first think about that idea of equipping the saints. What does it mean to be equipped for something? What does it mean to be equipped? In short, it means that you're ready, right? With the right training, uh, the right skills, the right gear. Let's think about being a firefighter for a moment. Being equipped would mean you'd have the right training. Uh, You'd know all kinds of stuff about fires and rescues. It would mean on-the-job training where you get practice in rescuing people and fighting fires. And it would include having the right gear to accomplish your goal. Those are the things that would help equip a firefighter. Now imagine if Woody and I were given the keys to the firehouse and a call came in. We might be able to find the keys to the truck and start it and drive to the place where people needed help. But that would be it. We wouldn't know how to hook up the hoses or to turn them on or to help the people that needed the help. We wouldn't be equipped. We'd have the right stuff, but we wouldn't have the right information. Now think about if the chief and some of his best firefighters went to a fire and they didn't have any tools, they didn't have any hoses, they didn't have any trucks. They're probably, even though they had all the information, They probably wouldn't be able to do much to fight the fire themselves. So being equipped means having the right tools and having the right training to do what it is that you're called to do. And one of the goals of a servant leader, pastor, teacher is to equip the saints, to equip God's people to do what? To do the works of ministry. That means giving you the right tools, the right mindset, the right training to do works of ministry. And ministry is one of these loaded terms in Christianity. It sounds so awesome. We're going to do ministry. He's going into the ministry. You know what's at the root of that word ministry? Service. Service. Ministry is service. It's servant leadership in action. One of the goals of the servant leader, pastor, teacher is to prepare, equip, and and train God's people to do the work of ministry. That's the opposite of the way a lot of people think, isn't it? I mean, the pastor should do that, right? I mean, he's the professional. We don't need to do that. The, The elders and the deacons and the staff of the church will take care of those things. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Not everyone is called to be a pastor, but all Christians are called to pursue the work of ministry. It's one of the main ways that God gives gifts to the church and blesses her. It's through the ministry and service of others in the church to one another. And those works of ministry are actually sacrifices of praise and worship to God. Listen to this quote from a man named William Still. He says, The pastor, by definition, is a shepherd, the under-shepherd of the flock of God. His primary task is to feed the flock by leading them into green pastures. He also has to care for them when they're sick or hurt, seek them when they go astray. The The importance of the pastor depends on the value of the sheep. Pursue the pastoral metaphor a little further. Israel's sheep were reared, fed, tended, retrieved, healed, and restored for sacrifice on the altar of God. 
This is the end of all pastoral work, and it must never be forgotten, that its ultimate aim is to lead God's people to offer themselves up to Him in total devotion of worship and service. Isn't that beautiful? The work of ministry, the calling, the goal of a pastor is to equip the saints for work of ministry. And when I say these things, I don't say them simply for you to retune or recalibrate the way you think about ministry, about service, about life in the church. And we should. But it's also a challenge to me. You know the motto, sometimes it's just easier to do it yourself. That's the way I and I bet a lot of other pastors can think at times. I don't want to bother them. I know they're busy. I'll just take care of it. And sometimes it can be motivated by good things. Sometimes it can be motivated by a desire to be a control freak. Um, and, but what it does is it, it doesn't help the people of God learn how to lead and serve and sometimes fail, which is part of the process. Part of equipping is not me or Woody or another pastor or staff member doing it all, but it's asking and empowering and challenging and equipping people in the church to do the works of ministry. And in in our church's recent history, this happened in an incredible and beautiful way right after the flood. And there were things happening and people were doing things and working together in ways that I didn't even know was happening. And, and the body was, was working together so beautifully. And that's an example of how God graciously uh, gives gifts to the church. And one of the goals is for, for, the pastor, for the pastors to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The passage goes on to talk about how we should be moving toward maturity. It goes on to explain in detail what the goal might look like, how it comes about, some of the characteristics um, that, that we see as folks are becoming equipped for the works of ministry. And verse 12 talks about for the building up of the body. The goal isn't to be equipped to serve ourselves or to boast about how awesomely equipped we are or to dog or down others who are not as equipped as we are. The goal is for the building up of the body. That makes sense, right? Jesus loves his church and he graciously gives gifts to the church so we can grow up and be built in maturity. Verse 13 talks about part of the goal is that we be full grown. We grow up into the the fullness, the maturity of, of mature manhood or womanhood in Christ. Part of the goal is that we grow. And as parents, think about it, this is one of the goals you have as parents, for your children to grow up. And sometimes, and I say this as the parent of a teenager, it's a little scary when you like look eye to eye with your children, or they may be a little bit taller than you, or they answer the phone and you think, who is this adult in my house? And, but the goal is that, that they mature, that they, that they grow up. And that's one of the goals for God's church, that we be built up and we grow physically, emotionally, spiritually. 
That's what Paul is talking about here. Part of the goal is that we be united in the faith and particularly in the knowledge of the Son of God. That's what it says in verse 13. The thing that unites us, the thing that helps us grow and develop in our experience in life is understanding Jesus Christ and His gospel. That's part of God's good plan for us to become full-grown, equipped, mature believers in Jesus Christ. And as that happens, there are a few things that take place as a result. One, verse 14 says, we're not tossed about. You ever been caught in a current before? Maybe the undertow at the beach, maybe a current in a river? Scary, isn't it? And one of the things that happens from us becoming mature and growing, becoming equipped believers is that we're not tossed back and forth spiritually. We're not tossed to and fro. And we can see how this happens with a young believer. Every new idea, every new thought, yes, this is the best thing ever. Or, yeah, that sounds like a good idea when it really isn't in line with God's word. And what becoming mature means is that we're equipped to stand firm. We're rooted, we're moored to deal with doctrinal challenge or human wisdom or outright deceit. Being equipped by God gives us a foundation to be more prepared to navigate life through a complicated world. Not only does it help help us defend ourselves against negative things, but it helps us positively to speak the truth in love. That's what verse uh, 15 talks about. Rather, speak... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Not only do we stand up against challenges to our faith, but we're called to live for and communicate the positive truths of God's Word. Maturity is one of the goals of the Christian life, and it's one of the aims of your pastors to help you to grow in maturity. And we do this as we speak the truth in love. You see how those two things fit together. And here we grow, we grow up into Christ. This is one of the unique things about Christianity. We don't get over Jesus. We grow up into Him. The more you grow as a Christian, the more you grow in your love and desire to be connected with and understand Jesus. We blossom, we flourish, as, and we become the men and women that we're meant to be in Jesus Christ. And when we grow in maturity, look at what verse 16 says at the end. All this maturity as we grow up, it makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. Isn't that beautiful? Like the end goal is that the body of Christ builds itself up in love. And isn't that what happens in our own bodies when they're healthy? When there's trauma, when we're sick, the resources of the body go to fight that infection, to fight that trauma, so that the body can heal itself. And that's part of God's good plan, is that we help equip the saints to do the work of ministry. That's part of God's gracious goal for the servant, leader, pastor, teacher. To equip the saints for the work of ministry that they may be built up, growing in maturity, able to identify and stand against the things that aren't in line with God's Word, but speaking the truth in love so that we can build one another up in love. So what is our takeaway 
as we think about servant leadership and the pastor. As we think about the gift of servant leader, pastor, teachers, the goal of servant leader, pastor, teachers, what, what can we do? How do we wrap this up? This may sound very cliche, but we can pray. We can pray. I need to pray for renewed strength and joy in my wonderful, glorious, messy, misunderstood, unscripted, fabulous calling as a pastor. Would you pray for me and for Woody and for other pastors that you know that we would remember our calling and find joy and hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ for ourselves as we communicate that joy and hope to you and to others. Pray for the pastoral search process. I know many of you have already been praying, but continue to pray. Pray for the work of the committee. Pray for the the elections next week. Pray for camaraderie. Pray for chemistry. Pray that God would bless those folks on that committee with compassion and courage as they do the work. Pray for the person who will be the next senior pastor of this church whenever that happens, that God would open the doors for him and his family to come here at just the right time, in just the right way, that it would be just as clear for him as it is for us that he's the man that God has called to lead this congregation. And pray for each other. We need help. Folks are struggling. Folks are filled with joy and have difficult things that are going on in their lives. Pray for one another. That we would remember that the most important thing is hearing those words. Those words that God the Father spoke to Jesus. Remember when he was getting baptized? Well done. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. If you're in Christ, if you're resting in Jesus Christ, Father in Heaven says and believes the same thing about you. Beloved daughter, beloved son, I love you very much. You're precious to me. That's very important to remember, isn't it? And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, this is part of the hope of the gospel that simply by resting in Christ and trusting in Him, that that love from God can be poured out on you. And you can have life now and life forever. Let's pray.